Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I want to tell you what I talk to the lads about every day. What it means to be part of our family. Yeah, man. A strong family. <laughs> First, there is the non-negotiables. Respect. Humility. Belief. And it's okay to get angry, to raise our voices, as long as it comes from the right place. And even though family can hurt us like nobody else, remember, they are the ones who raise us up. When people come to our house, try to divide us, because they know our family and what our shirt means. Let them know we can't be divided. And it will take all of us together. Because we know where we belong. So when the challenges come, you will tell them. This is family. This is family. This is family. This is family. This is Arsenal. Yeah, we played a Europa League game here and I played and I think he was in away at the Celtic game. <laughs> <laughs> Dome at Arsenal. Um, let's take it back though, before you became a Premier League player, growing up in the Isle of Man and then moving to Scotland. Uh, memories of your childhood and how impactful football was for you at a young age? Yeah, my mum and dad went to Isle of Man for work when I was, before I was born obviously. Um, I was born there and I lived there about a year. Um, my mum got homesick and came back, which was probably the best decision. Really? <laughs> yeah, so um, came back. And my first ever memory of football would be my dad, me and my dad going to the Red Ash Park, so it was Red Ash. Oh, yeah. And he'd, he'd have to jump the fence to go into the school. Um, and he just took me there, I'd do shooting into him, and he'd shoot into me, and just stuff like that. That was my earliest memory, like jump the fence How to get in. 
as if you know about three. Is your dad jumping the fence as well? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think he had to move one of the slates in the fence to let me in. But yeah, it was that was my earliest memory. Then probably not long after that would be my first Celtic game. I read that your whole family, not just Celtic fans, but Celtic obsessed, like season ticket holders, shirts, everything. Um, so was that ingrained at you at a young age? I imagine you didn't have a choice of who you supported as, as a young lad. Uh, yeah, massive. <laughs> Everybody's massive. Like my dad, my uncle, and I, they all ran supporters buses. Like, they wow. all were the head of that. So growing up, I'd always go on supporter buses and. That was kind of every child's dream. Like, it was just yeah. going to football, going with their mates, and my mates were all in the same bus and stuff like that, so it was brilliant. Were there all your friends Celtic fans, or did you have some Rangers mates as well, and it was kind of battling the playground? No, it was always Celtic. Who <laughs> <laughs> was a Celtic yeah. fan? Yeah, there was the one or two, because I stayed in Motherwell, there was a yeah. few Motherwell fans, but at my school, um, St Brendan's school, was it was all Celtic, so... When you were playing in the streets, you mentioned they're sneaking into pitches. Was it you were using anything as a goal at that time when you were playing with your mates? Garage doors, parked cars. Yeah, there was at mine. There's a big grass park and there's two trees perfectly aligned. Oh, no, nice. that's so, easy. Yeah, we'd got up there and play um, in red ash again. Then in a few years, when I got a bit older. There's this like, a, a concrete pitch and it had like good goals with the basketball net on top. Have oh, you yeah. seen that? I know that was you mean. So it's like the cage. We called it the cages. So we used to go down the cage and play all the time. You got scouted, or you, at seven years old, you joined Celtic. Just talk us through how that came about, because it's a very young age to be recognised. Yeah, I was playing my boys' club, um, Netherton, Netherton Football Club at the time, and I was seven, but I was playing under nines, so I was like, a year above myself at the time. Yeah. I was playing left mid. So you're bossing it, basically, is what you said. Yeah, I was, I, I was just <laughs> fast when I was, <laughs> right, okay. I don't know if I was any good, I was just quite fast. Um, yeah, so I'd done that. And, after a game one day, my dad was we were just driving out for the game. I can't even remember the game or how if I done well or I scored. Yeah. And the coach was shouting on my dad to come back, and I, I never thought anything of it. Um, and he was away for like 10, 15 minutes, and he came back. He says you've got a trial with Celtic on Friday night. <laughs> like, I'd never even thought anything like that was ever yeah, possible yeah. for me. So I went as soon as I went home, I told all my friends, told my family that I've got a trial with Celtic. Um, and then yeah, every Friday night for the next few years. I was still playing with my boys' club and I was going to train with Celtic on the Friday. And then when I was nine, nine or ten years old, that's when I, I signed kind of officially for Celtic. It was Roberto Carlos for me. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, he was fast, he was powerful, his shots were so hard. So, like, on him, didn't he? So when we were <laughs> younger, like, you'd just do free kicks and you'd do it right. I'm doing a Roberto Carlos, he'd yeah. run up, like, <laughs> try and do what he'd done. Do you remember his one, Le Tournoir, the one that bent yeah, the wrong way around? Yeah, that's what I mean, you'd try and do that. Did you Another one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but stuff like that, and he probably he was my left back that I looked up to. Okay. Yeah. Nakamura because he was left footed at Celtic. Yeah. So I always looked up to left footed players, and obviously his free kicks are like. I know. I remember that one against level, Manchester United. Yeah. He scored two against Man United. He scored one at Old Trafford as he well. He did, yeah. And one at Celtic Park. So. I want to roll the clock back to when you signed your first professional contract with Celtic. Do you remember the day that the contract was slid across, yeah. and you went home to tell your family? Yeah. So. We were at, we had to do a school project. We went to like Celtic sent you a school, okay. and you went there for two years when you're 14, 15, um, which is hard. And at the end of the, the second year, you get told whether you're getting a contract or you're not. You're getting released. I was probably I think one of the last people on the team to get told. Oh wow! So there's people. Nice. People were like, "Oh, I've been offered a three-year deal, been offered a two-year deal," and I was like, "I've been offered nothing." Like, <laughs> wow. There was a time and. My dad was like, we're maybe going to need to find another club now, like, because I wasn't getting a game either. I was never playing, I was on the bench all the time. Yeah. I was moving down to a younger age group to play. Um, 
so he's like maybe actually think about a job. Yeah. Yeah. It got to the stage where like football might not work here. Like I'm not playing. I'm not. I've not been offered any contracts. So what's happening? And my dad was a roofer at the time. Right. So we were thinking like maybe an apprenticeship with him or something like that. Um, but then near the very very end, I got offered like a one year deal, which was brilliant. Like there's people offered three year deals and stuff, but just to be offered that one chance and then it was just a. A, a brilliant day for your family, like, so proud, like. I was on the bench once, actually, then the next day I broke my leg. I read that, so yeah. So the first, so I was that high in my life. Yeah. The first time I made the bench, then the next day I broke is, my leg. Is that leg. almost the biggest high and low that you've had in, yeah, in the same 24-hour period? Yeah. How did you break it? I was on uh, AstroTurf like this, and I just kind of twisted the wrong way. Oh, you must have immediately thought, yeah. No. You, you hear it crack, you're like, oh, it's disgusting. And how tough is that mentally for you? Um, Prior to making your debut, yeah. and to being involved, being told you're going to be involved, to, to going through that, you described yeah. it as the biggest low. How do you mentally prepare for that as a young player? I think it was probably the best time it could happen to me because I just had a taste, and I was like, no, I want more. Yeah. I want to play. Like I'm going to work to get further than where I was. Like so, it was good timing. Like it was never great timing for an injury, but you need to work hard. The mental side's tough, but you can always come back. It's, it's hard work, but. I've had two leg breaks, a few shoulder injuries. Like it's, it's doable to come back. Like yeah. I've still played 200 career games nearly in 22, so yeah, it's hard, but it's definitely uh, worth it. Going on from talking about your school days there, that you always put, uh, uh, I want to be a professional footballer, and a teacher pulled you up on that and said, you need to change that because yeah. it's not realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, have you spoken to that teacher since? No, but my mum was uh, my din a dinner lady at the school. Oh, right. And it was a year we pick our subjects, and it was like, what do you want to be? Um, so like, if you want to do like craft and design and different yeah. stuff, or you want to do French, and I always wrote footballer. Yeah. And they never really said it to my face, but they were always weird with it. Yeah. And then... <laughs> One of the teachers went up to my mum at dinner time, like, you need to tell Kieran he can't write football. Here. <laughs> my mum's like, ah, that's what he wants TV. Like, my yeah. mum obviously believed. Um, and so it stuck with I was writing football. Yeah. But yeah, the teacher did go up to my mum and say, yeah, you need to tell Kieran really? to be realistic. Here. <laughs> what do they want you to be? Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever, a teacher probably. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what I'd be. So. Do you remember your first ever game at Celtic Park? Do you remember walking out in front of your family and your friends and thinking, wow. As a player? As a player, yeah. Yeah, it was, my first game at Celtic Park was flag day, so it was the first game of the season. Um, the other left-back was suspended at the time. I was 18 years old, so I got 60 minutes and I'd done well, actually. Like, I was nervous, but yeah. at Celtic Park, we got an early goal. I think we got an early penalty and scored, and it just yeah. settled my nerves. Yeah. And then I got a round of applause coming off, and that's perfect, perfect day. And again, we went to... There's a Celtic pub in mine at my area called the Cross Keys, and we went up to the Celtic pub and had lunch after that as well. Yeah, brilliant, man. Because you like doing that, don't you? Getting involved with the fans. I've seen the videos of you in front of the fans kind of getting the chance going. What is it about the Celtic fans that are so special to you? Yeah, everything. Like, they made my time there so special. It was all, it was all about them. Like, everything we done as a team yeah. was because of the fans. Like, we won treble treble. We, qualified for Champions League a couple of years in a row and that was because the backing of the fans yeah. and the club is just together, it's so together, like it's crazy, a big family. What, what exactly did you learn from Brendan? Because it, it, a lot of Leicester players now, he's brought a lot of young players through, you're a young player, that, is, is that a skill set that he has particularly, that he gives young youth a chance? Yeah, um, that, when he first came in, um, I don't actually know if I should be saying it, but there was a bid from Arsenal as well back then, 
when he first joined Celtic. Um, and I was like, like, we'll stay here. Like, he's like, we'll stay here. You'll mm. play like you're still very young. Just learn and play games. I'd only played 30 games at the time, first team, so I wasn't ready for anything. I just, I was still trying to break into the team to yeah. be the number one left back. So, next three seasons, I played over 100 games under him and I won numerous like young player of the years yeah. and stuff like that. Got a captain, a captain Scotland as well. So, my career really took off yeah. when he came in. And with that said, whole family Celtic, you've won all of these awards, trophies, you're saying the relationship you have with the fan, Arsenal come in, how, how difficult and exciting, both sides of it, but that decision that you had to make as a, as a young player in your career, how tough was that for you? Yeah, that was, that was sleepless nights, like, I was, yeah, it was a hard, hard decision, like, I knew how big Arsenal were, yeah. and like, a massive club and a massive league, and you're coming down here and I'm, I'm playing... In training every day, I'm playing against Pepe, Ozil, Lacazette, Obama, yeah. Yang. You're playing against the world's best players. It was obviously a, a great, great offer, but it was I still was sleepless nights thinking like, what's the best thing to do here? And and it went on for ages. Did it? Yeah, like the, the, the time the, fir the first bid came in until I signed on deadline day, it was just kind of up there. And I, at the time, I was just coming back from my injury and my pubic area, so. I was like, don't even focus on it. What's going to happen will happen. Like, just work hard and get fit, and everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But, but Arsenal were a massive, massive yeah. club, and when I came, like, I realised that. Um, and you probably don't realise how big it is until you, you come as yeah. well. Did you bring your parents down with you? Did you come alone? Because obviously you talked about how big a influence your dad in particular was on your younger career. Does he come to every game or is he still up in Celtic Park, season <laughs> ticket every week? Forget about Kieran. Yeah, we played a Europa League game here and I played. And I think he was in away at the Celtic game. Was <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't fancy that. Yeah, and he still goes to Celtic games home and away, really. So it doesn't make him any less of a Celtic fan no, no, like it does no. me, but... Yeah, he'll he support me, obviously, yeah. every day of the week, but yeah, he still enjoys Celtic games. Yeah, and I read that you, you bought your parents a house when you were at Celtic. You still lived uh, with your parents yeah. for many years. So coming down there, have you found the transition of, of moving to England, um, moving so, house and everything? How, how have you found that? It's hard. That's hard, 100%. Yeah. It's hard. Um, when I first got my kind of big first team contract at Celtic, it was literally the first thing I'd done. I said to the bank manager, like, I'm going to buy a house for my mum and dad here. Mate. Love that. And it was close to my mum's work as well. She was walking up and down. She had three jobs. Wow. Um, so I could do what I do. I went to that school, the St Ninian School at Celtic, yeah. and she was up at five in the morning with me, went and cleaned the school, came back, went and done a dinner lady. Then after dinner lady, she went and cleaned the school again. It was tough for my mum and dad, and they've literally put everything into me. So, like, the, the main reason I play football is obviously I enjoy it. I love playing football, but it's to repay them. <laughs> And let's talk about one specific injury. I want to talk to you about the broken jaw that mm -hmm. happened final day of the season when you were winning the treble against Aberdeen. And you came back afterwards. What's the story behind that? So it was just a normal build-up to the cup final. Um, obviously, the bit of nails before the game. Yeah. Played 20, 25 minutes or something, half an hour. Um, we were doing OK. Um, I think it was one each. And then it was a throw-in. And uh, the boys threw it up in the line and the Aberdeen players elbowed me right in the jaw. Oh. And he'd done it a couple of weeks before as well. What, same player? Same player. Really? Like, yeah. Jaden Stockley, was yeah. it? Yeah. So he elbowed me in the head, man. Big elbows. <laughs> um, and I went away. Like, my tooth was away, facing the wrong way. Oh. I was bleeding. The, my jaw was kind of cracked as well, so I could feel it crack my jaw. 
my dentist, like not a club dentist, not just my dentist. Your dentist. My specific dentist was sitting behind the dugout. <laughs> it's so lucky. Yeah, madness. Just Honestly, yeah. He goes to all the games, but like for him to be sitting there yeah. that game, and then he came running down the stairs, and security would not, wouldn't let him in because he just. Like, who are you? Like, yeah. But I was like, no, you're oh, dentist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let him in. Well, I couldn't say, I couldn't speak. Like, yeah. My teeth were all over the place. <laughs> um, and then he came into the changing room and he looked at me. And the, the dentist is like, do you want to go for a quick operation? Maybe make it back for yeah. like, the after party yeah. or hopefully the after party. And I couldn't speak, but I was like, I was like go. Like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So went, and his practice is maybe 15 minutes away. Put me on something, so I can't even remember it. Um, straightened my teeth, fixed them. Yeah. I woke up, took a picture. I was like, it looks as if nothing's happened. It was like that much of a difference. It was perfect. And then it was like 75 minutes. I'm like, right, go. We need to try and get it back. I'm <laughs> going. Back in the post. Yeah. <laughs> you're not fully fixed at this stage. No, just, I'm still out. <laughs> <it's laughs> like, so like, get me back to the game. Yeah, it's drugs or something they gave me. <laughs> yeah. Don't know what they gave me, yeah. but it was good. And then we're driving back to the game. We're at traffic lights. And I remember, like, it was like Tom Rodgers, the commentary for Tom Rodgers oh, scoring. Right, yeah. So we were all like, going mental in the car, he's beating the horn, <laughs> the physio in the back scoring mad as well. Your joy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I just jumped out of the car, like, I can't even remember it. I jumped out of the car in my kit, had my boots on, and I just ran. I just kept running. <laughs> the Aberdeen fans are all shouting stuff at me as well. Yeah. So they are coming out, thousands of them as well. Yeah. I'm running up, up the stairs. And down the stairs again, you come out. Yeah, yeah. And I seen one of the security guys kind of got pointed up to yeah. lifting the trophy, yeah. and there was like two or three people still to lift it. Yeah. So I ran up the stairs. Musa was Musa Dembele was the last person to lift it, yeah. and he passed it back to me. Amazing. And I've lifted it, and like the, mo the motion's pulling out with like, yeah, on the badge. Like you can, you can hear the fans roar, and it was a, the first time that when we went down the pitch, it was the first time I've like, kind of nearly cried on a football pitch. Really? Yeah. Because of everything you so went through that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen all these video meetings, I've been in the meetings together yeah. as a team before the games, after the games, and just his analysis amazing. Then in Dubai there for the winter break, I was doing some one-to-one -one work with him, yeah. and that's when I realised this is brilliant. Like I'm learning a lot just in a, a rehab session. Really? Um, and when yeah. you say brilliant, is it, what is it exactly? His attention to detail, his man yeah, management? Yeah, just to be like, he knows what's going to happen in a game and how it's going to happen and what you should do and where you're going to get pressed from yeah. and where your options should be. Like You should know where... Who, where the left mid's going to be or the centre mid, yeah. so you can just play like in sync. Everybody's a one brain, and I think that's perfect. And hopefully, when I'm back fit, like I get the chance to play, and I can just build up fitness and confidence again. So, final question then, Kieran: How much would you credit playing on that red AstroTurf pitch with your dad at three years old and growing up with your mates in the cage to playing now? How much credit do you put towards that? Probably. You learn all sorts yeah. in life about that when you're playing football. Um, and I was playing against older people as well. Yeah. So the physical side and just the enjoyment. You just enjoy playing football and I think it should always be out in football. Like you, you stop enjoying it, then it's like, what's the point? Um, when I was playing all the way up, I've enjoyed football every day of my life. I enjoy coming into training every day. It's, you don't really call it work, it's like training. Yeah. Although it is your work, but you're coming in to train, you're coming out to play football, coming in to get fit, better yourself play with the best players like it's a dream it really is like I'm so so grateful for the opportunity I've got and like well I don't know what's going to happen in the future but I'm just grateful and I'm going to work hard to make sure I give my, myself and the, the team the best chance to be successful like I can't predict what will happen but as long as I work hard and try to better myself then I know in myself I've done all I can. 
Kieran. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much Thanks for your time. Much. That, of course, is Making Top It Pro man. with Kieran Tierney. Thanks to EA Sports, FIFA 20. Now, here we are on the eve of another new season and confidence must be high after the fantastic end to the last one. What are the club's ambitions for 2020-21? Well, listen, I guess if we look at our ambitions more generally, I guess first and foremost, we need to get this football club back in the Champions League. We are a Champions League club. That's where we belong and that's where we need to get back. But also, we need to use that as a stepping stone because that can't be the final destination. We need to get back in the mix competing for the Premier League title. But also, because we're Arsenal, we need to do that playing an entertaining, exciting style of football. That's what our fans expect and that's what our fans demand. But also, we need to um, acknowledge and continue to follow the traditions of this great football club. So that is giving young players a chance and getting the right mix between young players and experienced players. So those really are our ambitions going forward. It's not going to be straightforward. It's not going to be easy. We are in the most competitive league on the planet and there's lots and lots of other strong clubs in this league. But we need to fight and we need to get back to where we need to get to because if you're Arsenal Football Club, those have to be your ambitions. There's lots of challenges all around for everybody at the moment, not just football. But how are Arsenal adapting as a club to these strange circumstances we're, we're under at the moment? There's been a phenomenal amount of change, but the thing I'm really proud of is that we just have not skipped a beat. Thanks to the diligence and the work of the great staff that we have at Arsenal, we really haven't missed a beat. The thing we are really missing, of course, is fans back in the stadium. What is obvious is fans are the absolute critical ingredient of what makes a football club work. And unfortunately, when you haven't got the fans in the stadium, you see that. So we're all looking forward to the first game um, away at Fulham this Saturday. The sun's going to be shining. It's a game that the fans are normally looking forward to, in particular, going to Fulham. And it's not going to be the same because we're going to be in the stadium with tens of people rather than tens of thousands of people. And that's something that we're desperate to solve as soon as possible. Find a way to get fans back into the stadium where we, where we want them and they want to be. And when the fans can come back, they're going to look at an exciting team. Hopefully we've seen some additions already this summer. First of all, how pleased are you with what the, team have, what the club have managed to do in the transfer market so far? So I think we started very well, to be fair. Um, when we signed a William, so we straight away. Uh, it's a so exciting player, so everybody knows the players, everybody know how can William can be inside of the squad. So uh, we're excited for that. Of course, after that, we get um, a Gabriel, which is here as well. So everybody's so exciting and everybody's so happy and he's happy as well to, to enjoy Arsenal. And then we have uh, Danny Ceballos, and then people cannot forget because you signed Saliba as well, so he's here to enjoy and start the season again. So um, when I talk to Miguel about the squad, so we are, of course, we increase quality, uh, we increase experience in the squad as well, so we are much stronger. So we feel comfortable, we feel strong, feel stronger, and we're looking forward to start. Still nearly a month to go until the deadline. Can we see, expect to see some more movement perhaps? Yeah, now, if you see the market right now, it's, um, it's quite quiet. It's not much clubs It's spend a lot of money because everybody has some doubts about what's going on in the short period and the long period as well. So we have to be patient in that period uh, to see uh, if you can do some movement internally as well. So be clever, be patient. We have a three weeks more to go. So, and then from that, we're working, we prepare to do everything. And um, if something happens, of course, we're going to, to do our movement as well. 
Vinay, can I ask you about off the pitch now and some changes maybe in the structure of the club? Can you just bring us up to speed in and how the, the management structure works at the moment at Arsenal? Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're right to say there's been uh, some changes at the club. So going forward, I am going to be responsible for overseeing the club both on and off the pitch as chief executive officer. Um, and that's how things are going to work going forward. Of course, I'll be working really, really closely with the board and really, really closely with the owners in that position. And I'd like to talk a little bit about how we're organising ourselves on the pitch, on the football side. So we're going to have Per Mertesacker heading up the academy and then Edu and Mikel working together to head up the first team operation. Um, and I'm really fortunate to have such a fantastic team. So if you think about Edu, you think about Mikel, you think about Per, you know, those are three individuals that are winners. They're driven to succeed and they've got Arsenal absolutely at their heart. You know, we've got two club captains and an invincible. But I'd like to talk a little bit more um, about Mikel. You know, Mikel has been here since the end of December. And, you know, the last nine months at Arsenal have probably been the most challenging nine months in Arsenal's history. And we've been around for 134 years. And despite all of those challenges, Mikel has been driving this football club forward. He has lifted the spirits and lifted the energy here at London Colney and with Arsenal fans all across the world. And he is doing an absolutely phenomenal job. The other thing that's clear is right from the day he walked into the door, he was doing much more than being our head coach. Uh, so we're going to be changing his job title going forward. He'll move from head coach to be the first team manager. And that's recognition of what he's been doing from the day he worked on the, on the door, but also where we see his capabilities. Um, he is doing a great job, of course, of coaching the first team, uh, and that's his primary responsibility, but there's so much more that he can bring, and that's why we're making uh, this change. A recognition of his capabilities and also the job that he's doing already. So in terms of how that will work is going forward, Mikel will join a really strong team with Edu. They'll be working really, really, really closely together to manage all the other elements of our football operations that are so important. So whether that is analysis, uh, recruitment, high performance, medical, they'll be looking after those areas together. And they'll also together uh, be responsible for our technical recommendations, whether that's players that we're going to buy, whether that's players we're going to sell, whether that's players that we're going to loan. Of course, working closely with me and working closely with the board and working closely with the owners on the financial elements to make final decisions. But those are going to be their responsibilities going forward. And I think we're going to have a really dynamic team going forward to drive this club forward. Mikko is someone obviously you know very well um, as a player and now working with him as a, as a manager. How would you see that relationship working between technical director and manager? Very simple. I, I can tell you how he started because I think it's important people understand since he started and joined the club, my connection with Mikko starts like this straight away because uh, the mentality, the way he looks football, the way I look football, the way he wants to drive London Corny, so we have the simple and similar ideas. So for this part, when you start together and you start to create a relationship in the daily basis, so we see even more how connected we was. So we don't force anything. We just been talking and discussing about club, about future, squad, balance, player signings, and we see the connection there. So this is so important for the club to have a a manager right now and a technical director working together because he has to see internally in the field what's happening and sometimes I have to see externally what's happening outside the club and then both together has to sit and then discuss, talk, 
be clear, be, uh, be open to each other to make the best decisions possible. So that's the way the club wants to do. That's the way I really believe we can do. And I'm really comfortable and very happy to work with Miguel. And I guess from my side, it's, it's a pleasure seeing that Mikel and Edu and how they work together. There's an amazing chemistry between them. I think they see football and life in a really similar way. That shouldn't be confused for the fact that they always agree. Um, there's times that they will disagree, but that's healthy because they need to challenge each other to be the best that they can possibly be. But there's an amazing connection between uh, Mikel and Edu. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm so confident going forward. Just finally, it's been summer of uh, upheaval, of work, of development, of change. You just must be excited now for the season to start, aren't you? You just want to get back to playing football and what we, what we love. Yeah, listen, absolutely. Just can't wait to get back playing football. I would say it does feel like only yesterday that last season finished, so it doesn't feel like it's been a big gap, but really, really looking forward to the season restarting. Listen, as I said earlier, I do think the critical ingredient is missing, you know, having fans in the stadium. And, you know, I look, I really am looking forward to tomorrow, but I also know it's not going to be the same without fans in the stadium. But of course, I'm looking forward to getting back playing and getting back with the Premier League. And Edu, how optimistic are you ahead of the new season? So to be in this club, of course, we have to be like this. We have to be looking forward, be happy, be comfortable, be confident and move forward.